Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. We're glad you can join us as interim pastor Kyle Julius shares a weekly message to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Kyle. Good morning. Well, it's certainly good to be back. Um, thank you for praying. Uh, there was a point on the plane yesterday, we had some bad turbulence where I didn't know if I was actually going to be up here this morning because of uh, how bad it was. But thank you for your prayers. Thank you for um, just just all your thoughts and texts. And uh, it, it is so good to be back here this morning with you guys to be able to pick up in our study of Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, that's where I invite you to turn with me, is in Ephesians. We're going to be looking at chapter 4, verses 17 through 24 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, speak this morning, for your servants are listening. Lord, I pray that if there's distraction in this room, we've all brought in distraction. We're all, we've all brought in uh, the tiredness and fatigue of the week, but for the next couple minutes, Lord, would you, by your Spirit, clear distraction, and would you open our hearts, and would you open our ears, and would you help us to hear your words? Would you help us to receive them, and not only hear them, but to do them? And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the great 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon was walking down the streets of London one day when a man who was drunk, leaning on a lamppost, yelled out to him, Hey, Mr. Spurgeon, do you remember me? Spurgeon replied, No. Why should I? Because I'm one of your converts. To which Spurgeon replied, Well, you must be one of mine. You're certainly not one of the Lord's. I wonder if Charles Spurgeon, or if the Apostle Paul, or if even Jesus himself were still, still here in this room, would walk into our churches, would walk into our homes, would walk into our workplaces, walk into any area of our lives really, 
And would they be able to make the same observation as Charles Spurgeon did of the drunk man leaning on the lamppost? And would he or they say, you may be one of my converts, or you might be a convert of the preacher you admire, or you might be a convert of your parents or of moralism or of some idea of Christianity, but you certainly are not a convert of Christ. I fear that many people in the church today, especially in the church of America, the church is filled with people who say that they're believers, who say that they are Christians, who say that they're converts of Christ, when in reality, they're imitations. It's just talk. It's like everybody in the church is is filled with drunk people leaning on lampposts, leaning on the faith of other people next to them, leaning on their denomination or on their church or on their Bible knowledge. And yet, all the while, they have not truly been captivated and converted by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And so it, it, it is vital that we that we remind ourselves the main thrust of the message this morning. If you take away anything this morning, it's this. Live out your salvation in Christ. Live it. Don't lean on something other that looks like it. Don't lean on your words. Don't lean on someone else's faith or or this idea you have of what Christianity should look like, but live out your true salvation. Live out your salvation in Jesus. And there are two ways that the Apostle Paul helps us be able to know how we live out our salvation in Christ. And the first way is that we see in the text this morning is we live out our salvation in Christ by actively fighting sin in our lives. Notice Paul begins with uh, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. Now, Paul is, what Paul is doing here, Paul is not contrasting what he's about to say with everything that he said up to this point. Paul is not saying that in chapters 1 through the first part of chapter 4, everything I have said up to this point is of my own opinion, uh, of my own wisdom, of my own education, uh, and now what I'm about to say is of the Lord, and so listen up. No, 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 no. What Paul is doing here when he writes, now this I say and testify in the Lord, he is reminding the church on the grounds of his authority that he is speaking in Christ because he belongs to Christ and because he's in Christ and belongs to Christ, and the church belongs to Jesus Christ, he can say, in the Lord, this is what I have to say, in Christ, with knowing our position in him that he's already fleshed out in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he's about to make this exhortation. So he wants to start off with Jesus, because if we're going to fight sin in our lives, it better start with him. It better start with the person and work of Christ. Anytime you exhort a brother or sister or yourself to fight sin in your life, it better start with in the Lord. And that's how Paul begins this passage this morning. Reminded of their position in him and on the basis of Paul's instructions, rooted in Jesus and his lordship, not only over Paul, but over the whole church. So Paul continues to exhort the church not uh, to live out their salvation in the negative. He begins in the negative. Read with me here in verse uh, 18, 
or the finishing of verse 17, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And then he gives a vivid description here of what he means. They are dark in verse 18 in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Now don't walk as the Gentiles. Wait a minute, I thought the Gentiles were included in the family of faith, so why is Paul using uh, the same word to describe unbelievers? And I just want to spend a little bit of time here, not too much time on that point, but I just want to answer some questions as we move through this text together. Um, Essentially, what Paul is referring to here is Gentiles. Paul has shifted from using Gentiles in the flesh in chapter 2, verse 11, to describe those who were formerly not of the family of God. And now he's using it in sort of a generic term to describe the former way of life for everybody. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, Gentile, the term here that Paul's using, is used to describe anybody who is, is outside of the covenant community. So it doesn't matter who you are, whether Jew or Gentile. As Paul refers to Gentiles here, he means outside of the covenant, outside of Christ. And the church is not to look or walk like those who are outside the covenant, outside of Jesus. We should not walk the same way that the world or the culture walks. So he says, He continues in verse 19. It just gets worse. Things go from bad to worse. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So it's not that they just live bad lives. They want to live bad lives. They want to live in the sensuality of their mind. They're greedy to practice. The world can't wait to find new ways to walk in sin. Outside of Jesus, you can't, people are, are hungry to live in sin. And I'm going to go ahead and describe sin here in just a few minutes, just in case we're confused. Because Jesus makes it very clear what sin is. All of the New Testament makes it clear. But Paul is saying, outside of Jesus, this is how people walk. And you're not to walk this way outside of Christ. Why? Verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. There's a big shift in the text here. There's a big shift in the text, and it echoes, actually, chapter 2, verse 4, where Paul is fleshing out salvation, and he says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. And so now Paul says in chapter 4, verse 20, but Jesus... But Jesus, that's the shift in the text. That's the difference between darkness and light. That's the difference between a life lived outside of God and a life lived in God is but Christ. I once was blind, but now Jesus. I once was lost, but now Jesus. I once didn't know, but now Jesus. I was once unrighteous, but now Jesus. Each and every single one of us should have a testimony that says, but Jesus. And our lives should also say, but Jesus. I would walk like this, and I would be this, and I would be that, but Christ. And that's where Paul takes the church in Ephesus, is he takes them right to Jesus. He says, don't walk like this. Don't walk like you don't know him. Because there's been such a great change wrought in your heart and bought 
on the cross that you should walk in light of what you know, what you have heard, and what you have been taught in, in Jesus. The lights have come on. So don't walk in darkness. There should be fruit bearing. Paul says in verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And then he gets to the, 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 the way, one of the ways that we uh, live out our salvation, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Paul says, look, if it's true that Jesus has walked into your life, that Jesus is now your Lord, that Jesus is now your life, then it should be equally true that you have been taught in him and you know how to live out your salvation. One of the ways that we do that is that we put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life. I think we have, here's, this is basic Christianity 101. The reason why Christianity should not be boring, the reason why we should not simply just be sitting uh, in some chairs on Sunday morning is because the invitation to follow Jesus includes the invitation of self-denial. It's just basic Christianity that part of following Jesus is fighting our sin every single day. And you might ask me, well, I thought we've been freed from our sin. Yes, we've been freed from the enslavement of our sin, but we certainly have not been freed um, or uh, not inhibited by the influence of sin. We, while we're not in the old self, the old self still lingers in us. That's just a basic truth all throughout Scripture, that when you come to Jesus, things don't just miraculously get better. I was having a conversation with a, uh, a guy I met a couple weeks ago that I was in a wedding with, and he was telling me his testimony. And part of his testimony, and I said, well, how did you come to know Jesus? What, what was that like? Um, you know, how's your uh, walk been with him since? And he's, he's telling me, you know, the, the, the basic, typical, well, I got saved at camp. Um, I had this really great experience. Uh, you know, I was really on fire for the Lord. And you guys all know what happens next. About six months later, uh, there's always a part in the testimony where I fell away from Jesus because things got difficult. Things got hard. And every time I hear this part in someone's story, it's just that in that part of the story, they were just surprised that things got really hard. They were, they, 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 it just blindsided them that following Jesus might be difficult. And I don't think it's their fault. I think it's the church's fault. In sharing the gospel, we forget to remind people that Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. But while you follow me, um, I have another idea in mind. Uh, we're going to kill you. This is, that sounds pretty harsh. Well, that's what Jesus said. J Jesus said, follow me and de deny yourself. Deny yourself. He also said in another part of the gospel that to follow him is to pick up our cross daily. Luke 9.23, Jesus says, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know what the churches started to say? Instead of deny yourself, it's find yourself. Find yourself, discover yourself, chase your dreams, Right? I, I, like there, and this, again, this, isn't, this is a worldly narrative, but it has, 
I heard it first in the church. Do you know how many pastors and preachers and disciples of Jesus I've heard talk more about their dreams and how Jesus is cheering on their dreams and their self-discovery? And they talk very little about the fight of sin in their lives, in the pursuit of holiness in their lives, and how Jesus calls us to deny ourselves. The whole image of picking up your cross is the image of dying. That was the most brutal humiliating death an individual could go through in the Roman world was death by crucifixion. And Jesus described following him as that. So when we, when we think about what it looks like to live out our salvation, we have to create room for self-denial. We have to create room for saying no to ourselves because when we say Jesus is Lord, that in and of itself is a statement that echoes out, I am not. My feelings are not Lord. My thoughts are not Lord. The world is not Lord. My passions are not Lord. And I'm not talking about good, holy ambition. I'm not talking about passions to serve the Lord. I'm talking about those passions that are rooted in self, and they're all over Scripture. James describes these passions as warring within ourselves. Uh, and that is one of the most basic fundamental aspects of following Jesus, is making war with your sin. Paul writes in Romans 8.13, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He just assumes that one of the basic uh, just activities of a Christian is to be putting to death the sin in your life. And you might be asking the question right now, well, what sin are you referring to? All right. What do I have to go home and throw away? What do I have to uh, root out of my life? And here's the thing. All sin is rooted in me. And I'm talking about me, like strictly me up here, and then, you know. Uh, but all sin, all sin is rooted in what? Self. Why do you think Jesus said to deny yourself? Because all sin is rooted in, I want to worship me. I want to worship the creation rather than the creator. And we tend to think that worshiping the creation looks like worshiping a patch of grass or hugging a tree. And it can look like that, but most of the time, worshiping the creation looks like worshiping and exalting yourself. I want what I want. In my marriage, I want what I want. In my church, I want what I want. At my job, I want what I want. In my relationship with God, I want what I want. Why do you think so many people have just reconstructed God to fit their image and fit their life and fit their ethic? Because it ultimately what people are saying, and this is what I mean when people are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That's what Paul meant. They're greedy to practice every impurity. They're greedy to want to exalt themselves. If you, if you look at all of the Ten Commandments that God gave Israel, the first five have to do uh, with God, the worship of God. The last, uh, last five, or the first six, rather, and then the last four have to do with neighbor. This is why Jesus could say all of the law could be summed up in love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and also love your neighbor. 
Because all ten of those commandments and all the 613 and everything else that was a part of Israel's worship um, had to do with that. That was the essence of the law. And that's why Jesus said he hasn't come to abolish it. He's come to fulfill it. And the goal of the Christian life is to constantly grow to the measure and the stature. Look, we already went over this in Ephesians, in the first part of Ephesians 4. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look, when Jesus said you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, he meant it. He didn't say you earn salvation through perfection, but he did say that if you're part of the covenant community, there's the goal. The goal is to be more like Christ and to love God with all your heart, all your strength, and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Love your brother and sister in Jesus. And guess what that requires? Denial of self. Because all sin comes from me. I want, I want, I want. You look from Genesis all the way to Revelation. All of that sin comes from me, 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 me. I want to take, I want to take. That was, I mean, if you see a pattern in Genesis 3, what was the first things that were going on in Eve's mind when she went and took the fruit? It was, she saw, she took, she saw it was good for her, and she decided to take and eat. And all of the rest of the Bible has been humans taking, seeing, taking, and eating, and grabbing. And so it should be our practice and our daily habit of locating where in, our, where in my life am I most exalted. You know, John would describe his discipleship to Jesus um, as uh, very simple, very plainly. He would say, he must increase and I must decrease. And I think a lot of Christians are cool with Jesus increasing as long as we're increasing with Jesus too. To follow Jesus is to not follow your dreams. It is not. It is not to, to follow your own pursuits. It is not to make much of yourself. It is to make less of yourself. It is to deny yourself. It is to make Jesus more Lord over your lives each and every single day day. This is not about being perfect, at least now. The goal is the perfection of Christ. Uh, this is about a daily life trajectory. Where is your life heading in? Right? The reason why Spurgeon could tell that the, per, that the drunk man leaning on the lamppost was not matching up with his confession was because his life was on full display in front of him right there. Spurgeon could see where that man's God was. Where he could see where that man's heart was, where the treasure was, and it didn't shout Jesus is Lord. Um, this is, if you look in verse 19, if you back up with me here, uh, Paul uses the word uh, that they're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Uh, this isn't the only time we're going to see the word practice described uh, for non believers and believers in the New Testament. Uh, in fact, the Apostle John put it this way in 1 John 3 8 through 10. John writes, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, 
because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not from God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. In other words, it's not about how long you go without sinning or keeping record. Right, that's not the game we're playing here. It's been, man, I've been, you know, it's it, like you see those construction sites that have the signs up on them that say X amount of days since last accident, right? And I think sometimes people treat, uh, Christians treat fighting ho- like sin in your lives as like, that's, that's the goal right there is, is 900 something days, nine days without, you know, all the account- accountability groups that you can be a part of. It's like, hey, when's the last time that you acted upon this sin, acted, you know? And that's not what it's about. It's an overall trajectory, no matter how slow, no matter how increment, no matter how um, just setbacks there are. The goal is not the length we've gone without sinning because we all sin every single day. The goal is what is, or what are we making a practice of? What is the overall trajectory of our lives? Is it more and more like Jesus or is it more and more like ourselves and the culture around us? The old theologians used to call this practice of fighting sin in our lives the mortification of sin. To mortify your sin. To make war with your sin. To be angry with your sin because it offends God and it hurts neighbor. And putting off the old self, we are joining in with the Spirit of God in our lives to destroy what the Son of God came to destroy. That passage in 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God saved you to destroy the works of the devil. So as we engage in fighting sin, here are two practical reminders. Fight your sin, but do it in the power and the grace of Jesus Christ and in the context of your local church. All of Ephesians is about the church. Right? We've looked at the past couple weeks how you, you come to know the love of Jesus with all the saints, chapter 4. And if you come to know the love of Jesus more and more with all the saints, how much more are you going to fight your sin with all the saints? Hebrews 12.1 says to lay aside all the weight and sin that clings so closely to you. Well, sometimes that sin, sometimes that weight is way too heavy for you alone to actually deal with. So that's why it requires somebody else coming alongside of you, another group of Christians within the body of Christ whom you belong to, to actually help you remove some of that sin and some of that weight that so closely clings to you and that sometimes we just so closely cling to our, ourselves. I'm convinced that most Christians don't want to be in church because they don't want other people calling out their sin. They want a Jesus who is okay with their sin. But then you meet another Christian, someone who's actually following Jesus, somebody who actually also has their sin called out, uh, and then you actually have to deal with your sin. You have to deal. James 5 talks about us confessing our sins to one another. When's the last time that you got with somebody that you trust and you love and know in your church family and actually confessed your sins to that brother or sister? 
Do you have a group of people, do you have a man or a woman in your life who belongs to the body of Jesus? I'm not talking about somebody who doesn't have anything to do with the church or anybody, you know, one of your friends who's not going to judge that hard. Look, you should be going to somebody in Christ that can help you deal with the sins that cling to you and the, the, the bents that you have. We all have different bents in here. Each one of us are prone to different forms of sin, idolatry, covetous, um, adultery in our hearts. Uh, all, all of, all, we all have this bent to something. And we need each other to help us lift that burden, to fight that sin. So when you fight sin in your life, do it in the grace of Jesus and do it in the context of the local church. Because if you don't, you're going to end up exhausted. You're going to end up tired. You're going to end up in despair and in defeat. And then sometimes, you know, you know what happens after that? There's a big trend happening in our culture right now. If, when you're in despair, when you're in defeat, you end up inevitably, well, maybe this faith thing isn't really true. This is not what, this is what I, what I, I, I this is too difficult. This is hard. Uh, this is, and then the next thing you know, you're on the path to deconstruct everything. And the problem is, is that sometimes people just deconstruct from the, something they thought was Christianity, and it's not really Christianity. If we would be honest with people when we're with them to offer the gospel and say, look, uh, part of the gospel is making less of yourself and most of, more of Jesus, and you're not alone in that fight. Because as you fight your sin every day, as you decrease every day, you're going to have brothers and sisters also doing it with you. Galatians 6.1 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So fight with the saints, fight in the spirit, Romans 8.13, and fight by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you. Galatians 2.20 And the second way we live out our salvation is by actively pursuing holiness in our lives. So we're out of the grim, kind of fighting your sin, mortifying yourself, saying no to yourself. And now Paul moves from that in verse 22 when he says, put off your old self, to verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, verse 24, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul, look, if Paul just stopped at, hey, fight your sin, that would, that would, be, that would be a drain, right? Like that, that, would, that would kind of, uh, even with the saints, even if, if all the Christian life was about deny, 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 that's a big piece of it. But that's not the whole piece. And Paul doesn't want to stop there. Paul says after, he says to deny your sin, to deny yourself, right? He says, and to put off your old self, he says, hey, put on the new self. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self. And look how he describes the new self in verse 24. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The amazing news about following Jesus, about being a disciple in Christ, about being adopted into the family of God, redeemed by the Son of God, and kept for eternity by the Spirit of God. The great news about that is we really have been given a new nature. What is most fundamentally true about you who are in Jesus, about me who are, is in Jesus, is that 
I am most at my core, what is most true of me is of the Son of God. I mean, that's what Paul means when he says to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The only true righteous and holy was him who came to earth to live that true righteousness and holy and display it for us and to show us what it looks like. Paul uh, writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, whoever is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So while the old has passed away and we're still fighting the old, the new is just as present as the old. And so I would remind you, discouraged Christian, despaired Christian, in your fight against sin, be aware that while the old man still lingers, and still wars against you. The new man that you have been created in the image of is just as present and active in your life as the old. And so Paul says, put on the new self. And this is why we don't have to be afraid of passages like Hebrews 12, 14, where the author writes, strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Ultimately, we can walk in holiness and pursue it because we have been given the righteousness and holiness of Jesus. To pursue or to put on the new self um, is to actually put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Actually to put on all of Him, all of what He gives us, all of His righteousness, all of His character traits. Paul writes in Romans 13, 14, I believe, or 13, 14, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. To actually put Him on. In other words, wear His righteousness and finished work, wear His person and goodness on you as if it's your own. You know, I can pursue... Uh, humility, patience, kindness, goodness, love, humility, self-control, all of that fruit of the Spirit, I can actually live and be that because of my new nature that's been wrought in me. I can actually live a life pleasing to God. We can actually walk by the Spirit and we can, we can fail at it, but we can get back up again because we have Jesus Christ we are putting him on like the robe that the father met the son with. As the son was walking home, he puts his robe on him, he puts his sandals on his feet, he puts his ring on him. And when we are in Jesus, he clothes us in all of that righteousness. And that means we can walk in true righteousness and holiness. That's the good news. Look at this. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You don't have to settle for a false righteousness, for a self-righteousness, for an unrighteousness, because in Jesus you have all of that in Him. It's just been given to you. Paul writes of the, those who are outside the covenant, in verse 17, or verse 18, rather. Look at the way he describes them. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. They're alienated from the life of God. And then verse 24 says of those who are in Jesus that we were created after the likeness of God. 
So we have two incredible things. We have the life of God abiding in us. And we are created after his likeness in true righteousness and holiness. Which means we can pursue, actively pursue holiness in our lives. Make it your business every single day. Make sure it's on your calendar. Actively fight sin. What is the sin that clings so closely to me? What, is, where in, what area in my life am I exalting myself? Who's a brother or sister I trust with absolutely everything within the church? You don't have to, I mean, we don't all have to be as close with you know, everybody as, the, you know, just find a couple people who are, you are covenanted with in the church to get along and say, okay, here's the sin I'm fighting. Don't think about how many days it's been since you fought that sin. Here's the sin I'm fighting. You fighting that sin today? What are you doing to fight that sin? You bringing in brothers and sisters into that space of your life? And then also pursue holiness. How are you pursuing holiness? How are you pursuing Christ-likeness? How are you pursuing gentleness, patience, love, humility? How are you pursuing this? And remind each other, as you fight and as you pursue the life of God and the likeness of God is just as much at work in all of that as your own striving, as your own fighting. You're not fighting alone in this. The Spirit of God and the saints of God all should be involved in the actively pursuing, or actively fighting of sin and the pursuing of holiness. I want to see... We should all want to see the church following Jesus the way Jesus actually asked us to follow him. We should all strive. Look, preaching self-denial and personal holiness is not antithetical to the gospel of grace. I think a lot of people have stopped preaching this and pursuing it in their own lives because they don't want to outdo grace I think that fails to understand the nature of the grace of God, which trains us for righteousness and godliness and to live self-controlled lives in the present age, Titus chapter 2. And the good news is that Jesus Christ offers you God's righteousness and holiness simply by turning from your self-righteousness and unrighteousness and pursuing Him in faith. The response... um, to the gospel is not do better or be better. It is come to Jesus and he will be your righteousness. Jesus gave this invitation nearly 2,000 years ago. And it's the same invitation I'm going to give right now as you, act, as you consider actively fighting sin and actively pursuing holiness in your life. The reason why, the, by the way, the reason why this uh, sermon was entitled Live Out Your Salvation in Christ is because there's no salvation outside of Christ. And if there's no salvation outside of Christ, there certainly isn't any sanctification outside of Christ. You live your salvation in Jesus. And Jesus said to the crowds in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the offer is to deny yourself, follow Jesus, 
and live a life of holiness and righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace, the abundant grace of Jesus that enables us to deny ourselves even on the hardest days. That enables us to get back up after we have been knocked out by the schemes of the enemy. When we have given into sin yet again, while we give into sin, Lord, make it so where we are not greedy to practice that sin. Give us grace, Lord, to fight the sin, to put off the old self because we have something so much better in Jesus. We have something so much better in Christ that the old self is not worth clinging to because it is being corrupt through deceitful desires. It's passing away. Lord, help us to embrace and to walk in the newness of life, the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Lord, we pray that your church would be a holy church. For it is your church, and it has been bought by you, and it has been redeemed by you, and will be sanctified by you, Lord. May we be able to walk in this fighting sin, pursuing holiness, living out our salvation in the grace and love and severity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.